so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with Him. So let's get into the Word. Good morning everybody. It's wonderful to be here with you. I bring you greetings from uh, the Baptist ministry team but also on behalf of our 350 churches across the ACT and New South Wales from border to border, from ocean to outback, we've got people who are worshipping Jesus together today. And of course, we are part of, as we've already heard today, a broader family of brothers and sisters beyond the Baptist family who are worshipping Jesus today. And so it's really good to be here um, with you this morning on such a special time. We love it at the Baptist Ministry Centre when we're invited to participate in any local church, but particularly at times of celebration and of times of um, refocus and renewal and induction services are part of that. So welcome, Keith, and they'll be part of that a little bit later on. Uh, but welcome to Baptist Land, as I said before, for you as well. So we're equally excited when uh, experienced and gifted and called leaders come into the Baptist family as well. So that's uh, fantastic. But let's uh, focus together for a little while on what God may have to say to us this morning. Uh, now and then companies manage to choose a few words that end up being very recognisable to us. Now, they capture in a slogan sometimes a bit of a message which tells us something about um, the product that they want us to remember or the service they want us to remember and see if it sticks. See if you can uh, think of a few of these. We'll have some up on the screen, I hope. Um, here we go. If I do this, we should get the first one. No. Click, try that one. There we go. Just do it. Nike. Nike. Are we right? I might get you to do this, Neil, because I don't know what this is doing. All right. Go for it. See if we're right. Just do it is... Nike. Nike. This is going to work well, isn't it? This is fantastic. Hey, all right. Let's have a look at the next one. See if you can get it. Here we go. The happiest place on earth. Disney's Google is not the happiest place on earth. Let's have a look, Neil. Disney World is the happiest place on earth, all right? Keep your own score. There'll be no prize, just keep your own score. Right, next one, see if you can get it. The best a man can get. Gillette. For some reason, Nick had no idea what that was, so I'm not too sure why. Right, the next one. There are some things money can't buy, but for everything else there is? MasterCard. There you go. And I think there's one more. I'm loving it. McDonald's. We all knew the McDonald's one, right? We all knew the McDonald's one. You love it for five minutes. That's right. Then you feel terrible afterwards. Um, now, a slogan can go part way to the answer, answer the question, what are you on about? That's a fairly Australian thing to ask, isn't it? What are you on about? Now, if ever you get asked, what are you on about? Uh, it usually doesn't just mean what are you doing. It means, what, why are you doing what you're doing? What in the world is motivating you to do... What are you on about? And if you were asked, what are you on about, would you have an answer? If those of you who are part of this church were asked, hey, what is Yas Baptist Church on about, would you have a few words, give you a slogan length, maybe a little bit more, that could describe what you're on about? Now, at times of an induction, times when you're welcome in new leadership, I'm sure that the pastoral search team has asked Keith, Keith, what are you on about? 
what are you, what's he on about? And he's had a chance to say that. I hope that Keith has actually had a chance to ask some questions to existing church people. What are you on about? And then together in this new season, what are we on about? It's worth asking that, isn't it? Particularly at a time of induction. What are you on about? What you think as a church member the church is on about will impact what you expect from your pastor. We find this all the time when we go from church to church. And sometimes it's you think in the back of your head, but you don't have the words to say it. I know what a pastor's meant to do because I know the church is actually about caring for the people who come to the church. That's the main thing. So I expect that that's what the pastor will mainly do. Someone else might think, well, the church really has to be out after, about looking after children. So that's what I think the pastor might spend his most, most of his time on. I think the church needs to be out in the community. That's what I think the church should be on about. And so I think the pastor should be doing that the most. Of course, if we all have different ideas what the church is on about, then the pastor has to do all of those. And we just to get to sit in the pews. That's how it works, right? No, it doesn't. So we need to look, I think, for a moment today to the example of what it means to be a believer, what it means to be in community together. What are we on about the story that was read to us is one of my favourites in scripture. It has so much imagery in it and you can just imagine seeing it when you hear it read. The trouble is for those of us who are most familiar with it, we just go, oh yeah, we've heard this before, but we don't engage our imaginations to imagine what is going on there. So journey with me for a little bit, will you? It doesn't matter what you age you are, whether you're the youngest here or the most senior here, should I say the most mature here, then you can engage your imaginations in this story. There once upon a time, there was a person called Zach. We'll call him Zach because it just sounds more familiar to us, doesn't it? Zach was a person who had a specific job that meant a few things for him. He probably was a person who was Jewish by background, but he had a job, as this Bible tells us, as a tax collector. Now, tax collectors at any time aren't the most popular of people, you can imagine, right? But for someone who may have been Jewish, he was collecting taxes for the evil overlords, the Romans. And so many of the people who had that job at the time, by their own people, were considered traitors. Now, they might have been very wealthy, but often they were very wealthy because they were taking what the Romans wanted and adding a bit on for themselves. And so you can imagine that the community, maybe his family, those who he'd grown up amongst, we don't exactly know, but we can take an educated guess, he was considered a traitor to his own people. And that would have had some consequences for him. So he had that strike against him, but on the other hand, he was a wealthy man. He had a position, may have been unpopular, but it was quite influential and quite a powerful position in that community. He was also rather short. Now, short people can have some advantages, but when you're in a crowd trying to see past, not really a good thing. Now, I am not very tall. I'm not the shortest of people, but I'm not very tall. I know what it means to be doing this a lot. Particularly if you've ever been in a movie theatre or in a, uh, you know, at a concert or something and you get the person with the tall person with the big hair or the hat in front of you, right? Every time, every time. I'm with you, sister, I understand. I know what this is like. And you spend the time doing this all the time. Now imagine Zacchaeus. 
Now, we don't know what he'd heard about Jesus. We don't know why he wanted to see Jesus, but we know that he did. So he hears that Jesus is coming to town and he comes out with what we imagine would be a little bit of a crowd, maybe a bit of like we've at a parade. Maybe it's an Anzac Day type situation. And you can imagine an unpopular short person trying to see what's going on. Can you imagine him behind the crowd sort of going, I can't, I can't see, jumping up and down. And he can't. And of course, if they say, oh, it's, oh no, it's Zacchaeus, let's look bigger and let's actually make it so he can't get through. And so he sees a tree and he decides to climb a tree. This important wealthy man decides to climb a tree. You thought about that for a moment. I mean, that could have interesting indications and insights into the length that this guy was going to go to to just get a glimpse of Jesus or maybe hear something from Jesus. Now, we don't know, but we're imagining what that could have been like. And a person considered a traitor to his people, climbing a tree with everyone going, what in the world is that guy doing? And so I can only imagine that he's, and I'm imagining here, I can only imagine that he's getting out to a position, maybe where the tree is overhanging, maybe a little bit, or at least where he thinks he can get something of what Jesus is doing in the disciples. And here they come. Can you imagine being in his situation? Here they come. You've got a prime position. You've now actually not caring about what everyone is thinking. You've got a prime position. And there is Jesus. And he pauses under the tree and he looks up at Zacchaeus. And he eyeballs Zacchaeus and he says, I'm coming to your place for dinner. <laughs> what? I think Zacchaeus fell out of the tree at that point. <laughs> the Bible says he came down quickly. That's enough for me. <laughs> the shock, the the joy, the mixed emotions, and here he is getting down from the tree, whichever way he did, and then the scene changes. And the scene is in Zacchaeus's house. Now, there's a bit of a gap in time. We don't know what happened, and we don't really know what conversations happened there, who else was there. There clearly were a few people there. Maybe it was the disciples. Maybe Zacchaeus had friends, if he had any friends, coming around. We don't know. But something really important happened in the encounter that Zacchaeus had with Jesus. Can I just say, many of us today have had something important happen to us in our encounter with Jesus. The story is different for each one of us, by the way. Jesus is the same for all of us, but our connection with him is spurred by different things. And Jesus meets us where we are. Wherever we are, Jesus meets us right there. Something happened to Zacchaeus that day. Enough for him. I don't know how he did it. Maybe he picked up a glass and tinkled it with something. He got people's attention somehow. And he made an amazing statement of transformation. He said, today I'm going to give half of what I have earned, half of my wealth. Remember, we've already told he's a wealthy guy. Half of my wealth to the poor. That's a transformation. This is a guy who was ripping people off to get his wealth. But something changed in his heart. Something changed his perspective. 
Something changed in an encounter with Jesus where he was going to give half of his stuff away. And if I, he continues to say, have ripped anyone off, the assumption here is that he had, if I have ripped anyone off, I'm going to give them back four times the amount that I've taken from them. Now, I can imagine Zacchaeus' accountant at this point just doing this and going, can you do math, Zacchaeus? If you've already given half away and you've made your money off ripping people off and you're going to give them four times the amount back, are you going to have anything left? I don't think Zacchaeus' main issue was whether he's having anything left at all. But he had such an amazing encounter with Jesus that his heart had changed so that his actions changed so that his life was changed isn't that incredible and here's the next incredible thing imagine and i'm imagining maybe that there were some jews there they would have been, there would have been a crowd they would have followed along let's listen to this conversation why is jesus talking to this traitor this person who's turned his back on his people this person who is ripping his own people off for the overlords who we don't like anyway what is going to be said they hear what zacchaeus said but then they hear what Jesus said. And imagine being a Jew and listening to this. Today, this man truly is a son of Abraham. Yeah. What? This guy's a son of Abraham? This traitor? This thief? This person working for the oppressors? He's not a son of Abraham. But Jesus says he's more truly a son of Abraham than many people who call themselves a son of Abraham is because he's had an encounter with Jesus that has transformed his life. And he's made the change. And then comes the mission statement. After that example, here comes the slogan. For the Son of Man, says Jesus, came to do what? Seek and save the lost. It looked like Zacchaeus was seeking Jesus, didn't it? Before when we said he'd climbed the tree, he had any sort of a sense that he was. But here's the twist. Jesus was seeking Zacchaeus. Jesus is seeking those who are lost. Has anyone ever been in any way at any age in your life lost? Yep. Has anyone been lost? Okay, any kids in here, here or up the back? Have you been lost? You've missed mum and dad. Have you ever been lost? You've been lost? Who'd like to tell me what it, feels, what it felt like to be lost? What sort of word would you say it felt like to be lost? What did it feel like to be lost? Sad. sad. It felt sad to be lost. What else does it feel like to be lost? It doesn't have to be kids. It can be grown-ups. What did it feel like to be lost? Weird. Weird to be lost. <laughs> Unfamiliar, right? Not what we're used to. Afraid. afraid. It felt afraid to be lost. What else? Alone, someone said. Happy to be lost? I was so glad to be away from my parents. If you are lost, there are a number of words that we can use to, be to what it feels like to be lost. Some of the times we feel hopeless because we just don't know how to get out of the situation that we're in, right? Sometimes we feel helpless because we can't do anything about this. And Jesus says, whether you know it or not, he seeks out the lost. Whether you feel lost or not, he actually comes to look for you like he came to look for Zacchaeus. And here is the mission of the church because it's the mission of Jesus and Jesus is the head of the church. 
Here's a clue for Yes Baptist Church in its next season. Pay attention to the mission of Jesus because the mission of Jesus should be the mission of the church. Seek out those who are lost. For those who are in the dark, Jesus brings light. They are lost in darkness. For those who have succumbed to lies, Jesus brings truth. For those who are lost in loneliness, Jesus brings companionship and community. For those who are lost in guilt, Jesus brings forgiveness. For those who are lost in any way that anyone can be lost, Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Even for those who are rich and are in an important role like Zacchaeus was, people are still lost without the gospel and without the Lord Jesus Christ. So yes, Baptist churches, you create a new slogan if you do, or as if you rethink about what you hear about, or if you reconsider who you are and what you're expecting from your new pastor or from your church in its next season, just have a mind for Jesus and what he is calling not just Keith to, but what he is calling you to and each one of us who call ourselves a follower of Jesus. We follow Jesus who came clearly to seek and to save the lost. And we are called to do that together. That's not just Keith's job, by the way. It's not just Keith's job. His job is to lead you so together you follow Jesus. His job is to equip you so that together you can be on mission with Jesus. We do this together. Um, at the beginning of the year, Gem, my wife Gemma and I went to a number of events in Sydney and we went to one where they closed the Carl Expressway and they made it a venue for a concert and they put a stage up the end and there were no cars coming off and people coming off the Harbour Bridge might have been slightly annoyed because we were on it listening to a band. But what you do at the end, and they did it every night in the first week of the year, the Carl Expressway, if you don't know, is right over Circular Quay, the Circular Quay train station. And as we're facing the concert there, if you turn right, there's the Harbour Bridge there, the ferries, and there's the Opera House, and there's the Harbour in the Circular Quay in the middle. And just as the concert finished, the announcement said, everyone turn right, and there was a drone show. The drone show drones are amazing, aren't they? They're just absolutely incredible. You've seen a drone? You've got a drone. You've got two drones. Oh, your sister lost one. Okay, that's probably great. Awesome. <laughs> Tell you what, there weren't only two drones in this show. There were maybe a hundred drones in this show. And they were programmed, as we saw them, to make pictures in the sky moving. This was incredible. You saw them all come up off the side. They were glowing green and then they sort of disappeared. And then suddenly there was a cockatoo, like flapping its wings. And then it disappeared and they moved around and suddenly there was a seahorse floating in the sky. It was massive too. It wasn't just small. It was huge. And then there was a seal diving into the water. And it was. And then at the end it was Elevate because that was the name of the, the concert, was Elevate. This was incredible. And I thought, forget fireworks. This is my new favourite thing. Yeah. But you know, the only way that worked was when all hundred drones were actually programmed doing the same thing in the same way. They actually had their purpose, they had been programmed, and any one of them out would have ruined the whole thing. 
but also any one of them trying to do it by themselves was absolutely impossible. Friends, at an induction in a new season, you are called, those of you who are part of this church, to be together, to work together, to love one another, to be in different places, doing the things that you have been called to do, but do it in a way that follows the mission of Jesus together, to seek and to save those who are lost. Will you follow Jesus? Will you work with each other? Will you embrace your partner and leader, Keith, in this new season to see what Jesus does? Because as this story tells us, when Jesus is released by his people to seek and save the lost, transformation of lives happen. Transformation of churches happens. Transformation of communities happen when the people follow Jesus to seek and save the lost. May you be blessed to do that. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for that amazing story. The story where Zacchaeus' life was changed. The story that tells us what you really are on about, Lord. Lord, follow you, Jesus, for without you we are lost. Without you we are in darkness. Without you we don't know which way to go. Lord, may we individually respond to you, Jesus, and your love and your grace and your forgiveness and your hope. And may we be agents of transformation as we follow your passion, your purpose for us. Lord, may we be people who seek out and save those who are lost. Those we know, those we are neighbours to, those we are strangers of, those around about us and beyond. May we follow you and may this church be blessed as it seeks to follow you and may Keith be blessed as he leads them in your mission to seek out and to save those who are lost. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in his word, stay in his love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.